0: I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle,
1: you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robison here and uh, you know we we all pray for blessings. Literally something I say when I when I pray, Lord, you know, bless my kids. Uh, we bless the, the program, the outreaches. You know, it, it's we ask for that in our lives. Well, are there any ways that uh, we can sort of open ourselves to God's blessings, to uh, invite them in, to walk in them? There are, and we're going to talk about some of those things today. My guest is Kelly Minter. And uh, Kelly was on a broadcast program. I had to look it up. It was in 2014, and I felt like it was just yesterday, <laughs> but it's the way it is the older you get sometimes. But um, Kelly's been writing lots of Bible studies. Uh, if you do Bible studies personally or in a church or in a small group, uh, you'll probably recognize her name. She's got a new one out uh, that just dropped, and it is called The Blessed Life. Uh, those of you who watch Life Today, are familiar with Robert Morris's The Blessed Life. Um, and so this is yeah, this is a theme in scripture uh, and it applies to us. How can we walk in it? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Kelly, it's so good to see you again. By the way, your shirt matches your book. I don't know if you know that.
1: Well, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> over here, Randy, to get into the to the groove here um no i'm so excited yeah i i i'm so thrilled this is the very first devotional i've written which i'm which i'm thrilled about and it's it's 90 days through jesus sermon on the mount and then there are 10 more miracles that happen after jesus gives his sermon and it's really fun because it starts, Jesus starts, the very first word is the word blessed. Mm. Um, that's how he starts uh, the Matthew chapter 5 in the sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And probably many um, of those watching or listening are familiar with the Beatitudes. But I have to tell you, the Beatitudes were probably the most perplexing and difficult section of the entire sermon, mm. uh, because you have things like, okay, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for there to be justice in the world. You're blessed are the persecuted. It, it, it like doesn't make sense. It's so totally countercultural to how we think of a blessed life. And yet, as I began to dig into it, it's, it's not the state of being, it's not the persecution or the mourning um, or the poor in spirit. That's the blessed part. It's it's the attachment. It's Jesus' kingdom of heaven. It's his comfort. It's his filling. Um, the that's the blessing. And Matthew there is is actually describing a state of being. This is this is wisdom literature. In other words, when Jesus is is pronouncing the the arrival of his kingdom, he's saying the state of being that is blessed. Um, Are those who are in my kingdom, even if they are suffering, even when they are struggling, even when they are mourning, especially in those conditions, they're blessed. And so in some ways, I think it's an encouragement for us, especially for those who are in a place of, of hardship or suffering or mourning, that when we know Jesus, we can confidently say that we can still be in a state of flourishing because of him and his kingdom being here. So it's 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 hard to digest, but it's pretty incredible.
0: Well, I, I'd love for you to unpack. I know the answer to this, but th- that word in the Greek is makarios. Yes. Explain to people what that means, because I don't. I think we hear this word "blessed" or "blessed." If you're in my Baptist church, and it sounds like a real churchy word,
1: yeah. but there's
0: some real good meaning there.
1: Yes. So um, it means so makarios is it means happy. Mm. It means flourishing. Mm. Um, it means fortunate. Uh, I mean, it means at pretty much every good word that you can think of. I think what helped me when I was studying Makarios is that there's two Greek words and, um, I will tell you, I can't pronounce the other one, but the other one is in the Greek in the new Testament is that is someone pronouncing a blessing over someone, you know, like I bless you, or I'm asking God to bless you. Makarios is not that. Makarios is a state of being. And again, back to that wisdom literature, Jesus is saying is saying this is the best way to live. This is the way to live joyfully, thriving, happy, fortunate. And the, the way I best understand it is I just got back from the Amazon jungle about three days ago. And I was there with indigenous uh, jungle pastors, wives, missionaries, and they don't have money. They don't have a lot of food. They maybe have a couple changes of clothing. Many of them don't have electricity. <laughs> um, their lives are very hard, and yet you can palpably see that they are blessed, that they are happy, that they are flourishing. Um, not because of their difficult condition, but because they know Jesus. And mm-hmm. it's just, it kind of helps me understand the beatitudes. Um, but you're you're right. That word can sound really churchy, but it's it's really everything we hope it means.
0: You know, interestingly, with all the, in our culture right now, the, the mental health problems, the, the depression, yeah. the anxiety, this mm. is sort of the opposite of that. Uh, yeah. and, and interesting, you, as you point out, that it it occurs in the midst of hardship so many times. Uh, yes. It, go, walk us through one or two of those to show the relationship between happiness and fulfillment uh, mm-hmm. and, and the difficulty, especially because of that, you know, the rest of the the, the different lines.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, for, so if we start with poor in spirit, um, and in Luke's gospel, he just says poor. And I think sometimes we see both um, together, mm-hmm. but when we start with something like that, we are usually in a state of desperation, of emptiness of readiness to receive whatever Jesus has for us. And I know that I've been there. Um, I think, Randy, you and I probably talked, when we talked way back, Um, I had started out in the music business and um, I come to Nashville 22 years ago and signed multiple record deals, really kind of failed at all of them in a sense and was broke, was depressed, was struggling, friend relationships were hard. I mean, there's so many things now that I'm not putting that on the grand scale of capital S suffering by any stretch, but it was during that whole season that I felt very poor in spirit. But at the same time, I was the most ready for whatever Jesus had. I was so pressed into him. And there were times in that season where I I experienced profound joy, profound peace, profound hope, um, because I was experiencing the blessings of his kingdom and what it means to live in his kingdom. I also think, too, that when we're living for the things of the Lord, the sufferings that we have on this earth, they can't touch the things that we're we're living for um eternally and not just things like heaven when we die but even right now like the joy that we have um in knowing Christ and in our relationships and being able to be uh present for other people um so it yeah it's an it, it's it's like the upside down kingdom and um and I but I love what you you said about the anxiety and the depression and how this is the opposite of that and if you get further into the sermon in Matthew 6, Jesus says to a very poor herding group of people, he says, consider the birds. You know, they, they can't plant or sow or, or or harvest or reap, but they, every day, your heavenly father takes care of them. Mm. And then he says, consider the flowers of the field. They can't dress themselves. They don't even have the brains of birds. They don't even have bird brains. <laughs> and, and yet... And yet look at how beautifully they are clothed. And then Jesus asks these rhetorical questions. He says in one of the illustrations, he says, aren't you worth so much more? And then in in the other one, he says, how much more will he do for you? And I think with all of the anxiety and the depression, not to simplify it in any way, but I do think that I know some of, of what has helped me so deeply is to have that profound rest that the, our heavenly father who loves me is going to take care of me and cares deeply about me. And that is true for everybody who is, is listening. And I, I think that is a great bomb and a great remedy to so much of what is going on, um, today.
0: Yeah. I, I, some of them are hard, like they don't make sense in, in the sort of the natural way of thinking. Uh, for example, blessed. Happy fulfilled, joyful are those who mourn. I, I you know, in my times of deepest loss, I was not happy in those times and and before they shall be comforted. Uh-huh. I, to me I, I think what I hear in in several of those passages um, are in your poverty of spirit, in your mourning, in your suffering the what god brings to the table makes you blessed makes gives you joy even yes. in the hard times so i i see it as a real call to be you know living abiding in christ attached to the vine because we life is hard yes uh, these things are not good that happen a lot of times uh and, and so i don't see any virtue in the morning itself but in the comfort that we receive from god through that does that make sense
1: exactly and you get into 2 corinthians chapter 1 and and paul writes that the comfort that overflows um, you know, the, or we, we share in the sufferings of Christ, but then the, the comfort mm-hmm. from Christ overflows to us. And I think that really connects to what you're talking about in blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. They're not we're not rejoicing in the loss or in the mourning. We're rejoicing and we're thriving because there is a day that is coming when we will fully experience the comfort of Christ. And we know that even in this moment now, we can experience that comfort of Christ. And I love what you said, that it's it's what he brings to the table. We're not thriving because of that hard state. We're thriving because of what he brings. And a lot of times, you know, think about it you usually only receive comfort when you're hurting. So we can't receive the comfort of Christ unless we're in that place of mourning on some level. You know, we can't experience the filling of Christ unless we're hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. Um, we can't experience that incredible fullness of the kingdom unless we are depleted of our own fullness and we come, you know, poor in spirit. And so, um, Yeah, it's, 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 it's the backside of those Beatitudes (laughs) that make it, that make it special. But it's also a great promise because I think so many of us find ourselves in these places. And um, these are real, these are more real than anything that we can touch or see. And, you know, it's funny because I came back from the jungle and the the next day was the Super Bowl (laughs) for me. And, and it's funny because if you think about like the super bowl and i love football i love watching it it's fun for me but if you think about it it's like the ultimate glorification of self and just what we can do you know as humans and everything the commercials everything around it it's just it's the the celebration of self and i just come from the jungle where there's just hardship everywhere and yet it was the celebration of god's kingdom in their lives and it was like polar opposites and yet I could truly see that it is it was those men and women that I had just been with in the jungle that were the truly thriving, fortunate, blessed ones.
0: Yeah, interesting. I I, I like that both quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes, are just solid Christians. I mean, you know, they both give God the glory. So that was kinda of cool. But So
1: fun. So fun. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I that's what I say. I mean, I love football. It's just, you yeah. know, the whole the whole thing around it that was just
0: it, oh gosh, you, yeah. Well, yeah,
1: money, power, it's, you know, it's a lot of things, but yeah. Let's
0: let's not even talk about the halftime show. I was like, can we please change the channel? So, okay. Why were you, explain why you keep talking about the jungle? What do you do there?
1: So I work with an organization called Justice and Mercy International and we do a, a few things there but our chief thing is we work with we we work with these jungle pastors mm. and their wives who serve in total obscurity in the middle of the jungle wow. and they serve the people on the river um which they're the those uh, people are called ribeños and it's river people and there are hundreds of thousands of villages that sit along the Amazon River so we get on a boat mm. and we go down the river and and we meet with these men and women and I I I talk about them a lot because they have have helped me understand what the blessed life is and they have impacted my understanding of scripture um, a lot, especially Jesus' sermon and those 10 miracles that follow in Matthew's gospel because I feel like the people that I'm with there are the most like the original audience that Jesus was speaking to. Because when you think about when Jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit and he announces his kingdom, He's not announcing it to the religious elite or to the powerful or to the wealthy um, or to the, you know, the best in society as Mm -hmm. we understand it. He was talking to the paralyzed, the demon possessed, Mm -hmm. the oppressed, Mm -hmm. the broken, specifically to his disciples. But we had there were a lot of people on that hillside that day that were listening. Mm -hmm. And we get the makeup of of the crowd at the end of Chapter four of Matthew's gospel. And we see also we know that Israel was under Roman oppression at the Mm -hmm. time. So this is a hurting people and Jesus is describing them as the flourishing ones because he's in their midst. Um, so I think when I'm in the jungle, those people are the most like, I think that early first century crowd Mm. in that they really live day to day, kind of not knowing where their food is going to come from. They live day to day, you know, where the Holy spirit says, Hey, go talk to this, go to this village. Mm-hmm. Or go to this person's house and knock on their door, you know, or, hey, it's time for you to pick up your little bit of belongings and go someplace else to another field and minister. So it's just, it's wild, but it's like a real life example of, I, I think, how some of those early disciples actually lived.
0: Interesting. No, that's very interesting. Okay, I'm going to follow up with a question related to that, but I'll show people real quick. This is The Blessed Life, a new uh, devotional by Kelly Minter, available wherever you, you want to pick up books. You can also go to Minter dot com uh and get it there and see some of her other materials Uh, a lot of great teachings and i just i love her passion for the word and explaining it and helping us get it into our lives Um, you're you're touching on the historical context uh of jesus words which i i this this drives this is one of my pet peeves when we westernize and americanize scripture uh and ignore you know the the setting, the audience to whom he was speaking, the times in which he was speaking, and you just mentioned a bunch of the sort of the, the circumstances into which he walked. Mm-hmm. Uh, how cognizant are you of that as you go through these the 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 Sermon on the Mount as well as the miracles, the historical kind? Of, how, how much is that important to understanding his words?
1: Yeah, it's super important. I think one of the things we can say is that we really can't understand what Jesus message means to us now without first understanding what it meant to the people then. Mm-hmm. So it now it I think that there are times where hey, listen, we live in a totally different world. We I mean, we have iPhones and we get on airplanes and fly around the world. I mean, we're in a different society. But if we understand what his message meant then and we take it in context, then I think there's a freedom to be able to apply it faithfully right. in our setting. And it was funny. I'll tell you a story. The, so when I was just there, I was talk, we were talking to this couple, and they were they were telling us because one of the themes this uh, year in our conference was about studying the word and taking things with it in context. So this pastor and his wife, they were in a boat, And they were in a little canoe and they were heading down the river to take a little bit of food to a family and to pray over them and to preach the gospel. And they were, had a few people in the boat with them and they got in some sort of a terrible storm. They were, it was in a whirlpool at one point and they really thought they were going to drown, which happens, you know, relatively often there. And so they were like, there was a guy in the back and they're like, open the Bible, open the Bible, just open the Bible, see what God wants to tell us. And the guy opened the Bible and the very first thing he saw was today you will be with me in paradise oh, no. <laughs> and then they were like "Close bible, close Bible, close bible. You know? and they were laughing we were laughing so hard when we heard that story because we've all been there but it was a perfect example of taking <laughs> like not reading the bible out of context right you know and um and so we do need to know the context and that doesn't mean we all have to be scholars but there are such um wonderful resources for us today to be able to find out who was the book written to? Who was the audience? What was the setting? What what were some of the situations of the day? And that helps us understand so much better. Sure. What the actual message is?
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of if he'd have flipped open to the part where Jesus had calmed the storm, then he'd have been like, "Yes, <laughs> it's perfect." <laughs> yeah, I know right. exactly. That
1: was definitely, I think, the passage he was hoping for. <laughs> no right. Doubt. No so, doubt. Yeah.
0: That's really funny. All right, you you mentioned uh, another word um, a few times. Uh, and I'm, I want to get your take on this. Although this is not like, I don't know. I don't know how interwoven this is in your in your book. But the idea of kingdom. What does kingdom mm-hmm. mean to you?
1: Yeah. So you're uh, you're, you're really throwing you're really throwing hard ones um, here today. Randy. Yeah. No, it has a lot to do with it because this is the sermon, and then these miracles is Jesus announcing His kingdom. And, um, so kingdom is one of those things I, uh, you know, I could, there is, um, there are so many different scholars that have different, you know, know. definitions of the kingdom. Um, if I could put it, I actually, I actually put it in my own words in, in the devotional. Um, I don't know if I would be able to, to find it quickly, but it's such a part of the, um, Let's see here. Well,
0: and you also get into theological discussions of whether it has been fully established. Is it fully here, or yeah, it, no, it's it not. Now? I don't it think later? it is fully
1: here. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think it will be fully here when Christ comes back the second time. But um, I put this is what I how I described it. I said if I can attempt to put it into my own words, I would say it's anything having to do with Christ being character or actions made manifest in our broken world, primarily through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit as a result of Christ coming to earth. And then I said, I will receive no extra points for brevity. But the Mm -hmm. idea of it's really anything that has to do with Christ's action, his will, his power, made manifest here on this earth through his church. And so we do see this, we do see that since Jesus coming, part of that kingdom transforms our hearts it it changes us and I, I say a lot like i came out i came into this world with a strong sense of a sin nature like <laughs> i was very you know strongly bent toward the things of the world and it has been through the kingdom through jesus coming that he has changed my heart for the things of him we see yeah when Jesus calls us um, in the sermon as a result of his kingdom to be salt of the earth, light of the world. So we're to, we're to push back darkness. We're to preserve the culture through the salt. So there is this kingdom effect that's coming. That's, that's rolling through that I think hopefully um, or not hopefully, but that is moving us toward Eden, Mm -hmm. moving us toward where all things will be set. Right. But I do think that it is the kingdom that is, already and not yet as scholars will say a lot that it's here but it's not fully here
0: yeah yeah and, and yeah that's an, that's a whole other side discussion an interesting one though. <laughs> uh, and i think thanks for taking the question because i've i've asked so many people and it's it's interesting the answers you know that you get and it, it seems to be something that we kind of have a hard time wrapping our our minds around i've been trying to write on it and it's been a very difficult thing sometimes to to pinpoint because pinpoint. I I don't want to put my own prejudices into any kind of, you know, commentary on scripture. I want to I want to understand it purely for what it is. There's yes. a, something that that you bring up that I'm curious about because I I haven't read this to understand it, but the the imagery you use of following Jesus down the mountain. Mhm. Uh, that was in the notes from the publisher and I'm like, okay, what is, what does that mean? Um, I'm I'm curious, what, what does that mean?
1: Yes. So, okay. So at the end of, so in Matthew chapter seven, um, the sermon on the Mount ends and at the very top of chapter eight, verse one, it says that Jesus came down from the mountain. So in other words, you get this picture that the people are up on the mountain receiving his teachings. Then they follow him down the mountain. And what happens when he gets down the mountain? Immediately a leper comes to him. So a physical outcast who needs healing. Then a Roman centurion comes to him because of his servant is sick. So now you have an ethnic outcast, a Gentile coming to him. Hmm. Then he goes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. So now you have a gender outcast in a sense because you wouldn't see rabbis going in and healing women. Then you get into the storm and and he stills the storm. Um, you get to the Gadarenes where you're in a Gentile region and he casts out the demons into the swine. Then you get to, he goes back across the lake and he heals the paralytic. And you, you go on and on through these 10 miracles. At the end of chapter nine, after he goes through all of these encounters, he turns to his disciples and he says, go out into the harvest field and begin to be part of the harvest field pray that the lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest field in other words jesus is saying okay disciples you followed me down the mountain you heard my teaching now you follow me down the out the mountain you've been putting it into practice and now i am handing this mission to you and he has handed this mission wow. to us so that idea of coming off the mountain with him is there's that wonderful place where we get to sit maybe on a Sunday morning, maybe at a retreat, maybe on vacation, where we get to sit on top of the mountain and just listen to Jesus teaching. But then there's that moment that we have to follow him down the mountain and we get into all of that brokenness, the sin, the messiness, the hardness, uh, and we are called to bring the effects of his kingdom to, to those situations.
0: Well, and you know what I like about that also is it's not just bringing it to, um, you know, the, the popular people, the in crowd, the the people that you want to be around. Yes. Uh, it, it's bringing it to the whole world. Uh, yes. And especially those who are considered marginalized. Uh, yes. Uh, not yes. the successful ones, not, not the popular ones. That's, I like that. That's really cool.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: How much, how much fun was this for you to write?
1: Uh, It was a lot of fun for me because I and I don't know if you can relate to this, Randy, but, you know, growing up in a Christian home, a pastor's family, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of scripture passages that you are that you're around and that you you listen to or know. But for oddly enough, the Sermon on the Mount was one of those passages that just I kind of avoided. I think Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand how it fit together. Um, It didn't always make sense to me uh there were some scary parts in the sermon on the mount and so what i what i realized um is that in my adult years i realized that for most of my life i'd gone to the gospels for my salvation and i had gone to the epistles the letters in the new testament for how to live the christian life Uh kind of not realizing that jesus actually has a lot to say about (laughs) how to live the christian life (laughs) and And so it was fun for me because before I wrote the devotional, I had spent a lot of time um, studying the sermon and really trying to get it into my being and it really affected my life. But then also it was fun because those 10 miracles that happen after the sermon, Matthew strategically uh, packages those together with the sermon. We don't usually see that. We usually will take one or the other, but we know this because at the end of chapter four, matthew says that jesus went around preaching the good news of the kingdom teaching in the synagogues and healing every sickness and disease and then in chapter 9 verse 35 he says the exact same thing which means that he's basically scholars will call it an inclusio i'll call it like brackets or parentheses
0: yeah.
1: around the sermon and the miracles that he wants us to see that these are together so he tells us what jesus did on either side and then in between he shows us the teachings and the healing and miracles. And so it was really fun for me because this is not just a devotional on the sermon, it's a devotional also on those ten miracles. So we get the teachings and the deeds of Jesus wrapped together, which is how Matthew gives it to us. And that was that was really fun for me. Um so I, I had a, I had fun writing it. I mean, it's never easy to write, as you know. Um, it's it's nice to have written, but I did enjoy <laughs> right. writing
0: right okay you know that's interesting that that parallels a little bit the 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 wise man who builds his house on a rock right it's come and hear and then do uh if you look at the actions in that parable um you can hear the words you can come to jesus you can hear the words but unless you actually do it Mm. it you you're not on that solid foundation yeah uh So you talk about studying this in a new way as an adult, and it changed your life. Did it affect your doing? Did it affect how you interact with people, how you prioritize things?
1: Yes, and I I love that you said that connection because I didn't even realize, and it's it's so obvious. Yeah, at the end, you're right. I'd never put that together, (laughs) but he talks about going and doing, and then he goes and does. Um, Yes, it's given me a huge... um, it it, it definitely has given me a huge understanding for the outcast. Um, Matthew, he doesn't write chronologically. He, he grabs three outcasts and puts them together right at the top because he wants us to see that Jesus is for the outsider. So that's affected me. Um, Treasure in heaven. He says, he says, store up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. So it's, it's drastically affected my finances, Mm. what I do with my money. it has affected my prayer. He, he, the Lord's prayer is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, It's affected how I give, how, because Jesus says, don't do it. Don't give to be seen by people. Do it, do it quietly, do it secretly. So only your heavenly father knows. I mean, it's affected my understanding of being salt and light in this world. Yeah. Um, So I could go, I could go on and on um but yes it has affected my doing very much so
0: yeah i love it and I that's think, a
1: great question
0: and, and i think that's the whole point you know um it, it just it, there are two halves we have to well three parts if you want but we coming to jesus and and really hearing what he says and going to the scripture you know uh, but then living it out walking it out following him down the mountain uh mm-hmm. it's a great Great illustration, Kelly. I want to show people the book again. This is The Blessed Life by Kelly Minter, available wherever you get books. A great Bible study. It will bless your life. Uh, and so if, if you're wanting just a little bit deeper walk or, or refresher, uh, go in to pick up. Uh, show people your website as well. This is kellyminter.com. There it is, kellyminter.com. And you can uh, check out more of her writings. She, I, I love... Let me rephrase that. I was going to say, I love you. Uh, I love that you uh, love the word and and want to help people understand it and walk in it and and see just the depth of it. So, uh, thank you for your your hard work and your commitment to to leading people into the word. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go?
1: Um. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. we we got we got in there. We got in there today, which is which is great. But uh, it's it's truly it's my honor. I love it. The word of God has has I, I don't say this lightly. It has completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And It's just completely changed my life from helping me with depression and mm-hmm. to with my priorities, it, just everything about it. And so I get I get excited to talk about it.
0: Oh, good. And I'm excited for you to go a little deeper with it. So check that out. Thank you for being with me. If you want to bless somebody, you can hit the share button. And if you haven't subscribed, follow or like, depending on where you're watching this. In fact, I would do it across all the platforms because they don't always show you when these interviews pop up. Uh, But I'm, I'm going to bring you more guests like Kelly that will bless you, lead you into the word, explain some things, maybe challenge you. Uh but help you grow. That's what we're here to do. So come back. Appreciate you being here today. Possible. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. He has given us the will to choose to come, come to, come, choose, to, choose, us, neck, to neck, choose to bend our neck, bend our neck, and to choose to learn. It is always possible to do the will of God. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.